There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year. My name is Danny Kelly, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Borlbeck. We cover trades, free agency, and the draft, obviously. We'll tell you about everything, including which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are not as good, and which quarterbacks are just Kirk Cousins. Search the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Tuesday morning from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Bozarian, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin Berto! We both went to games. How you had fun last night? I had fun. We did not record late last night, which was Monday night, because Mm -hmm. you were on the West Coast. Let's start with that one. You went to Clippers Wolves, which could be an extremely good playoff matchup. And I think probably got more than you bargained for with that Wolves performance. If you were looking to be impressed with the team, I got to imagine you left Staples Center, now Crypto Center, pretty impressed with what you <laughs> saw from Minnesota. Incredibly impressed from Minnesota. Uh, I mean, if they're, if you're looking for a game that gives you a reason to believe in the Timberwolves as a legitimate finals contender, I think you would want to watch that Minnesota Clippers game last night. Uh, that third quarter, um, tremendous defensive performance by them to help build that lead. Obviously, offensively, they were very good as well, creating buckets. Anthony Edwards, uh, Rudy Gobert at the basket on rolls to the rim. They did a great job offensively. But in the middle of that third quarter, I, I know it's gonna it's gonna sound very expected coming from me, Chris, but as soon as Russell Westbrook came in the game, they had Rudy Gobert helping off him, staying in the paint. And then when Gobert was out, they had Cat doing it to end the third quarter. And I thought it really just screwed up that Clippers offense. They weren't getting any paint penetration at all. Uh their individual defenders were doing a tremendous job throughout the entire period, even before Russ got put in the game. Anthony Edwards, McDaniels, both against Kawhi Leonard, forcing multiple turnovers, creating hard shots for him, not letting them get 
to the rim. I thought overall that defensive performance by Minnesota, and they've always been a great third quarter team this season, uh, really was a good example of what they could be come postseason time, relying on their defense as their foundation and then being good enough offensively when it, with Anthony Edwards when he's on, Mike Conley creating some good shots, hitting threes off of screens. They showed some versatility on offense in addition to having their dominant defense in that third quarter. Is it possible that Minnesota is just a uniquely bad matchup for the Clippers? We always see this when it comes to postseason time, that there are some teams that it's just, it's, it's matchups. And... They've got big wing defenders. They've got somebody that can guard the basket. And they've also, you're not, you're not at a massive disadvantage in terms of the point guard. You don't have some explosive point guard that is going to put Mike Conley uh, on his, uh, make him a detriment to you um, or their, ba- or whoever they put out at their guard positions that they, because of their size, because they're able to match the physicality, and because of the length that they have on the wings, that they are just—they just happen to be uniquely equipped to deal with what makes the Clippers great. And so that is a team that, if I'm the Clippers, I kind of want to steer clear of because there's not a lot of teams that are uniquely equipped to deal with that. But they just happen to be, or. Am I overreacting and it's just one game? I mean, it is just one game, but uh, I do think you're right on when it comes to like projecting that matchup on paper because Minnesota has great wing defenders. I mean, they have the best one, arguably, and size, in McDaniels. You know? and, yes, most, and then size. Most and people, size, yes. like Kawhi and Paul, make make teams look small. And For sure. not them. Yeah. And they got, you know, a bunch of bigs. Uh, they, yeah. They're rolling out there with Gobert and Towns at the same time or Nas Reed coming off the bench. So I think with Minnesota, they are a, a difficult matchup for the Clippers. Um, I mean, it is just one game, but ultimately I, I came away highly impressed by the Timberwolves last night. And I mean, the Clippers in their own right are still, you know, a, a great team. One of the teams that you can look at and say they as is are a finals contender. Um, but that third quarter I thought was, you know, Pretty special for Minnesota last night if you're looking for a reason to believe in them as a finals contender. Yeah, in terms of believing them as a finals contender, I think it's gotten to the point in the season where most of the rhetoric that you hear feels like people think that the the, the Nuggets and the Clippers are on a collision course. That these are the teams that when you hear most people saying who they think can come out of the West – the Clippers have won a lot of people over in the past month and a half. And obviously, Denver is always going to be a pick to be there at the very end, as long as they have Jokic and they are the reigning champions. That being said, do you react in a way from watching that going, you know what? Minnesota should be in that mix too. Like we are. People, they have been nah, fantastic all season early. long. No, nah, I don't think so, Chris. No, nah, I, I think I don't think Minnesota it, it belongs in that class yet. Um, I mean, you look at the Clippers side of things. They have Kawhi Leonard, who's won championships and who is playing at, a, you know, I had him. We'll talk about the Bon Temps MVP poll later. I had him in my top five for MVP. I didn't see where he finished. I haven't looked yet. I want to be surprised when you say it on the pod later. 
Um, but um, I think with they have James Harden, who's been to Game Sevens in the Western Conference Finals against Juggernaut Warriors teams. Uh, they have Paul George, who is an All NBA talent, and they have perhaps the best coach in all of basketball, and Ty Lu with a great rotation as well. Minnesota, they are they have a lot of guys who have been in the postseason, you know, largely go Baron Conley. But Edwards, despite you know having some success in the postseason, he's still young. He still has a lot to prove. The Clippers have elite ISO scorers and Kawhi Leonard and James Harden. Minnesota has ants. It's and like after that, they don't they don't have the depth of guys who can be used to just crush mismatches on their side when it comes to those end game situations. So I think Minnesota has a lot to prove. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it behind having a historic playoff defense. They're going to have to do it like the Pistons did 20 years ago where they had an amazing defense anchored by Ben Wallace and Tayshawn Prince and Chauncey Billups at the point of attack and all those great Pistons teams in 04. And their offense needs to be clutch, good enough, that that's where Billups really made his name, right? Big shot Billups. That's where he that's where he did it was in the postseason. So I think Edwards, Conley, they're gonna have to have guys kind of, you know, just be clutch in in-game situations and show that they don't need to have that star ISO score behind Edwards, that they can be good enough offensively and dominant defensively to go all the way. But the Clippers are so much more proven on their side of things compared to Minnesota. I think a lot of Wolves fans would even agree with that. Well, and the other thing is, as you've mentioned a couple different times in your game that you went to last night, they got their work done in the third quarter. So the fourth quarter became inconsequential, and that's where they have really struggled this year. Minnesota has had a rough go in fourth quarters, and we know when it gets playoff time, to your point about how it's like Edwards and then, all right, who else is going to get it done for me? We know how playoff games go, that the margins are so thin that these teams end up knowing each other so well, and that once you get to games four, five, six, those games are going to come down to the last couple minutes of the game. Yes, and so who who can be Mr. Big Shot right. for Minnesota like Chauncey Billups became for Detroit right. and their finals run? So like, who, who, can, who can be that for Minnesota? It might just be Ant. Ant might just reach an even higher level come postseason time. That's possible. Like this could be a, a this could be the year of Anthony Edwards. That's what it could turn into, where he becomes that guy. Um, but you know, I, I guess we'll see who elevates their play in the postseason for Minnesota offensively because they're going to need to have that because their defense is going to be great. I have no doubts about their defense at all. People, people. Last night I tweeted out how Gobert is the defensive player of the year favorite right now. It's been I said it's amazing to see him reaching an even higher level defensively now that he's surrounded by great perimeter defenders compared to Utah. And, you know, some people always respond, well, he's going to get played off the floor in the postseason. I like, I, I just I just don't think I don't think that's fair at all. I think you're just not watching the Wolves right now if you feel like cause it's so different with this team. They they have more support. If Gobert does get pulled out to the perimeter, they can still have Cat inside. They can still have McDaniels as a help defender inside. They still have size. If offensively he is being helped off of or not respected. I think he's a better finisher at the basket now than he was in his Utah days. He had a finish against the Clippers on Monday where like he had he received the ball around the free throw line, dribbled a couple times to get into for the paint or a finish. He can put the ball on the floor once if he needs to. Before, if he dribbled once, it was like going nowhere. 
he's gotten better at some of those finishes to punish smaller guys, whereas in past years he wasn't capable. So I think Gobert has improved in the ways that – and the roster's improved around him in the ways that I don't think he can get played off or neutralized in quite the same ways that he did with the Jazz. Um, so I don't even worry about that with Minnesota at all. It's more it's, – it's purely about – do they have enough firepower on offense with spot-up shooting, reliable spot-up shooting? Do they have enough ISO scoring? It's not even anything to do with Gobert, Cat. It's just about really, I think, or Edwards for that matter. It's about everybody else. All right. So I'll half agree. He will get played off the floor, but I agree they are infinitely better equipped to deal with it than they have been and their Utah teams. That's why they've got a hundred million dollars soaked up in centers. <laughs> yeah, they I mean, do. you know, what I mean? <laughs> like seriously, mm-hmm. fine. Go five wide, play small against us, force us to not have him on the court because he's not going to kill you offensively. But we've got to get him away from the basket. That's fine. But now I have Nas Reed. Now I have Carl Anthony Towns that can man those positions, and I've got real size on the wings. So I'm still big all across. That was always the problem with Utah. They they, they have to go small. small, and then they they got like uh, what like fifty year old Derek Favors or whoever the hell they would bring in. You know, if they got to go, <laughs> if somebody's trying to play him off the court, it was tough. I mean, they are they are equipped to deal with. If you want to play that way, okay, we've got the goods to be. They can even go Kyle Anderson. Because Kyle yeah. Anderson is one of those like massively switchable defenders that can give you minutes on different guys. Uh, the game I went to last night was about one one thousandth as entertaining as the one that you went to. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I saw. I mean, it, it's it, it. Look, in a season that began with uh, a John Moran, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams, and the only one that remains is Jaron Jackson Jr., and you literally have no idea who's playing any given night. We were on the pregame show last night, and I turned to the host, uh, Rob Fisher, and we ran some B-roll of going through the layup line. I said, who the hell was that? Because they showed this guy like making a layup from the side. And he was like, that's Lamar Stevens. And I was like, oh, oh Lamar Stevens. Okay. It's like a who he play for team. Yeah. Lamar Stevens. He's playing. Who, by the way, Lamar Stevens is good. But you, it's like, you, guys, you, know what? you guys should do, I don't, I'm sure like they wouldn't allow it, but you guys could do a who he play for segment for the Grizzlies. Like you could show faces of players to like that have played, play, uh, that play for the Grizzlies yeah, currently. Yeah. <laughs> Tucson, Owawamba, or whatever. I mean, like, it's crazy. It's every game. So, anyways. It is of no account uh, to watch, you know, the Pelicans play against a group of guys that might be different every single night. That being said, if anybody out there, because I know nobody's paying attention to this, but it's what I was at, so I'm going to talk about it. If anybody out there is tired of the amount of explosive offense that goes on in the NBA, is the scoring too great in the NBA? I would encourage all of you, it would be an absolute delight for you to pull up your league pass and fast forward and watch the fourth quarter and watch the Grizzlies beat the Pelicans in the fourth quarter 14 to 10. (laughs) It was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. 
14 to 10. I mean, we had I see the scores 96 to 87 Pelicans Dude. win. So that that's like a score from, you know, the pre pre Warriors days in the mid 2010s. <laughs> that we got those every night, 96 87s. That that's normal. I mean, <laughs> look, here's what I'll say about seeing the Pelicans in person again. And look, I know Pelicans fans always get mad at me anytime I give an opinion about them. I'll say this. They would have been dead without Herb Jones and Larry Nance. Those are the kind of guys you have to have in a game like that. There's still guys that care no matter who they are playing against. The rest of the guys were like totally going through the motions. The Zion body language still just drives me crazy. It's just moping all the time. And I, I watching that fourth quarter play out, like it got to the point where they like needed to score. They needed to get buckets. And the Ingram ISO is always there, which he hit the two biggest shots of the game. They still like I would go out and look for a veteran point guard. I mean, Lowry actually would have been nice for them. Just somebody to settle it down and organize it. I swear to God, in the fourth quarter and like down the stretch, it's just it just the ball never pops around. And it's whoever's got the ball and it's like Zion driving into three guys or McCollum trying to do a step back or it's Ingram getting to his elbow fadeaway jumper. But it's just they just need they got so much firepower, but they just need somebody to organize it. Um, I feel like and I am shocked that they did not go that route or acquire somebody. Um, and that's all I'd say. Like, again, these games come down to fourth quarters. We know that whoever they play in the playoffs when, and they are, they are such a high ceiling, low floor team. Defensively, they're just not good enough. They're, when, when they've got their best, their best offensive players aren't good enough defensively and their best defensive players, I actually think can get it done uh, on the offensive end enough. And it's just going to be about Willie Green mixing and matching that. Uh, because, I mean, this rat grizzly team last night, Kevin, I, I mean, they, they, they shot literally six wide open threes down the stretch. Side of the backboard, bricks. <laughs> like, it's like the offense generates it because you're putting them on skates. And I'm just thinking about that through the prism of this is what good teams are going to be able to do is they're going to be able to generate these open shots. And you, you just, you're giving up too much, too many of those. You're giving up too many corner threes, wide open looks. You just happen to be playing a team that can't make them. Uh, but really, you know, like I said, the high ceiling, low floor. And I just don't know about the connectivity of them. Uh, and I also don't know about getting it in order. It's very... Very Phoenix s in the sense of it's another team without a point guard. And you saw this with Minnesota, and they've had their own problems even with Conley in the lineup. But certainly when Conley was out of the lineup, it became kind of a mess. Just somebody to bring the ball down and organize those scorers uh, and get them the ball in a good position. So anyways, there's my thoughts. Uh, it was a ridiculous game, honestly. I mean, come on. 96 to 87, 14 to 10 in the fourth quarter. That's ridiculous. 
<laughs> so I'm jealous. You, I, I would have rather been at Clips uh, Wolves. <laughs> and I would have much rather been at Bucks Nuggets. So that was my finals pick. And that felt like a Giannis statement. When I got back and was flipping through everything that took place last night, boy, oh boy, he, um, look, he cares and tries to put up numbers every single game. And he's always like 30, 15, and 5, seems like no matter. But it feels like there are certain games as we get, especially now, headed towards the All-Star break where a lot of teams can start to mail it in with their uh, their eye is already on vacation in a couple of days. There's certain games that clearly teams still take very seriously, and it felt like the Bucks took very seriously that Nuggets game, and certainly the most impressed we've been with the Bucks in a long time, I think. Giannis, definitely. I mean, it feels like a statement game for him, you know, and going against Jokic, 14 of 19 from the floor, 36 <laughs> points. 18 rebounds, five assists, three steals, two blocks, uh, plus 18 in the game. He was purely dominant. But I think more than anything else, the Bucks win against the Nuggets was a statement game for Doc Rivers. Mm. Uh, their defensive changes that have occurred ever since Adrian Griffin were, was fired on January 23rd uh, were were really put on display, I felt, against the Nuggets. They have been a below 500 team since that happened. So on paper, on the surface, it looks like, well, they got rid of their coach, and now they're worse. But like I said to you at the time of the firing, it won't surprise me if they end up having a worse record without Adrian Griffin, but they actually look like the better team where you feel like they have a chance of going deep in the postseason and actually winning it all. And I think that's exactly what's been happening and they finally get the biggest win they've had last night against the Nuggets because of their defense. Giannis, we look at the scoring numbers, but the 18 rebounds are in part because they're keeping him closer to the basket. He's grabbing defensive rebounds, sparking transition offense. He's there at the paint, roaming off ball, helping off of non-shooters, causing havoc near the rim, there for rebounds, there for rim protection, there to help out Brook Lopez, who was awesome individually, against Jokic. He did a great job deterring him, making things harder on him, waving his arms around, constantly active throughout the game. And when Jokic was involved in two-man actions, the Bucks seem to be doing a way better job fighting over screens. Like they they have AJ Green playing in their rotation right now. Like he did a great job defensively. It's clear why Doc Rivers is giving him minutes. They're just fighting over screens instead of dying on screens, which you know, I'd imagine it's more of like a, a tactical thing that the coaching staff is informing their players to do. Like they're not just dying right on the screen, right? right? So I think the Bucks, like they're doing some little subtle things defensively, um, you know, that I think look more like some of those bud defenses of old. And it shows up in the numbers ever since Griffin was fired. They are fifth in defensive rating in the NBA. So ever since January 23rd, they're under 500, but they're fifth in defensive rating. And, and that the, was what yeah. needs to be fixed. That's exactly what had to be fixed. And I, I think the last couple of weeks for the Bucks, they look more like a team, even though they're five and six ever since Griffin was fired with Prunty for a couple of games. And then Doc, they've been three and five with him, even though their record is worse. 
to me, they look more like a team that you could, by the end of the year, when we have a larger sample size, say, oh, they're the favorite in the East. I, I think that they could steal that from the Celtics right now, who they have their own issues as well, their own concerns. But the Bucks, to me, um, that win against the Nuggets is uh, more indicative of like the changes that are happening defensively, even more so than what Giannis did offensively, which was in part because of those changes with that transition offense that was Sparks. And for all the dot critics, that is something he has always been able to do is create a great defense. He has routinely had top 10 defenses in the NBA and get guys to buy in and get guys to really play on that end. And if he, and, and you're right, that's been their, that's been their problem this year. And this is a, this has been a trick because, you know, I mean, it's your point of attack defender is Damian Lillard instead of Drew Holiday. So it is a different deal, right? It's not what Mike Budenholzer coached, (laughs) you know, things change. And so you've got to try to figure out, okay, how do we deal with what we have? on this roster and what do I have on this roster that can help me get it done on that end of the floor. And I, uh, I think very impressive. They took that game clearly very seriously. It mattered to them and it mattered greatly to Giannis. And if we're talking about like MVP versus MVP level player, that's a, that's a monster Giannis performance in a game where everybody's looking like, Oh, what did the two guys do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people Giannis is going to have probably a lot more of these games. <laughs> I mean, Giannis no could question. very well play play himself, you know, a, a, into that top top two MVP candidate. I don't again, I don't know where he finished in the straw poll. I, I want to be surprised. Okay, um, I had Giannis, I believe, third on my ballot, if I remember correctly. Don't um, don't reveal yet. I mean, I, I can sprinkle. Three, I said I had Kawhi fifth. Giannis third, um, but uh, by the time no, I, I get mean, to it, I'm going to know your whole order. <laughs> that's, that's okay, I, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think that Bucks game. I mean, Patrick Beverly tremendous as well. Um, definitely. I mean, they they have some dogs. Jay Crowder getting him back as well. That's they right. have those energizers that I think help the the roster from that standpoint as well. But I don't know. Like more than anything else, I mean, I thought Brooke Lopez was tremendous in that game. Like Brooke Lo- Brooke Lopez start to finish just his activity on Jokic making things hard on him like you can never stop Jokic he still you know finishes with 29 points 13 of 25 from the field he's still dominant um but you're not letting him go 20 of 25 22 of 25 you, i think they were there were ways that Brook Lopez limited him and the Bucks did collectively cuz in that first half like first quarter like, i thought the Bucks did a good job they had a game plan like that's one of the things they talked about we don't have a plan they they played with their typical drop coverage with Brooke Lopez against Jokic. And then as soon as DeAndre Jordan came in the game, they started being aggressive. They were doubling, trapping, blitzing on every two-man action. And then when Jokic came back for the second time, it felt like they were, they, they were still going back to their standard, but occasionally Giannis was helping aggressively off-ball more. It's like I, like I would imagine that was the plan. We play conservative to start. Jokic out. We're aggressive. And then when Jokic, when Jokic comes back, we blend. Uh, like they were still playing more conservative, but Giannis began helping more often off ball. It was just, I don't know, they just looked like a prepared team that knew what they were doing and and knew what the plan was going in, and they just had to execute. Um, and that's what was missing with Adrian Griffin was a lack of communication, lack of having a plan. And with Doc Rivers, like you said, Chris, 
that's one thing we know he can do. He can communicate with his players. He's, he's one of the better coaches in the league at doing that. The question with Doc is going to be adjustments come postseason time. Can he that's make right. the tweaks necessary? Um, that's how he's blown some of those 3-1 leads in past years, just being too slow to make adjustments. But, I mean, he also <laughs> – I mean, when you have Damian Lillard and Giannis, though, sometimes those guys just drag you to victory no matter what the coaching staff is doing, which is what we saw the whole first half of the year with Griffin. Like, they, those guys – the, the game game winner against the Kings from the logo. Oh. Yana, some of the dominant fourth quarter performances where the opponent could not stop them <laughs> many, many times. Uh, so like, no, I they think they played like, what was it? At one point we were like, they played like 25 clutch games or something. It's like, why, yeah, it's crazy. why does every game go to the end? Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately though, I've been, I've been very impressed with the bucks ever since they made the change. And I think, you know, I wrote this on the site last week when I did my post trade deadline power rankings, I was like, they're in a transitional phase right now. Like I'm not even looking at the record as much. It's, it's more like the process of how things are happening. Like I'm, I'm ignoring the record right now. Yeah. Um, but like that, they're installing stuff every practice. They're doing different schemes. It's like, I think you got to give them time right now. And those wins will start piling up and the nuggets could be the first of many to close the year. Today's episode of the mismatch is brought to you by Hulu plus live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV, stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu plus live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news uh, in the middle of our podcast while we were really? recording it before I get to the news. Really? What happened? The, the Suns have signed Thaddeus Young. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I, I I thought that was breaking news. Can you believe I am? Um, that's, that's just news. You want to know how old I feel? I feel so I covered Thaddeus Young in high school. Oh, yeah? At Mitchell High School in Memphis, Tennessee. Guy's been in the league for like 50 years. Played for like 10 teams. By the way, one of my favorite. NBA players like the reason he stuck around so long and he should be a great mentor to young players in the league is he is a great teammate and a great guy and just real quick on a side note about five six years ago they have a thing as they do in many different cities you'll 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 like this um it's called race for the cure and it's the 5k that they run in different cities 
to raise money for breast cancer awareness. And about five, six years ago, I hosted it, uh, and it was in downtown Memphis. And so the morning of the 5K, it's like pouring outside. There's still thousands of people that show up for it. There's all kinds of breast cancer survivors. There's people that have different reasons. Maybe I lost my mother. Maybe I lost my grandmother. Maybe I have somebody in my life that's going through it. And so no matter what, rain or shine, they showed up to do this 5K. So I'm standing up on the stage and doing like the announcements like, hey, you know, here's where the refreshment stand is. Here's where this is. Here's the survivor's tent, all this kind of stuff. and. It's probably 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It's dark. It's cold. It's rainy. And all of a sudden, Thaddeus Young walks up unannounced in the middle. I'm getting chills. He walks up unannounced. He walks up on the stage. And I said, Thaddeus. Thaddeus they were. he had come in town the night before. I believe he was playing for either Brooklyn or the Pacers at the time. And they had, they had flown in the night before. And he walks up on the stage and I hand him the microphone and he proceeds to speak to everyone out there in the audience. I mean, there's thousands of people out in front of him ready to do the race. And he proceeds to speak. And he said, I knew this was destiny this morning and I had to get over here. He had lost his mother to breast cancer the year before. And he said, and it just so happens my team is playing on the road. The one time we're in Memphis all year, this happens to be going on. And and he starts giving his speech about breast cancer awareness and please encourage all the females in your life to get checked and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I mean, it is 8 a.m. of a, it's a game day. And he was not like scheduled to be there, nothing. Just walked up, walked up on the stage and gave this speech out to everybody that was there. And I was like, I've been a part of some pretty, like, like, where the hair on your arm stands up moments in my life, but it's pretty high up there. And he is, he is a absolutely great guy, great example. I see him out, like, during the summer, I see him out at the soccer fields with his kids, you know, rooting them on, just like a regular old dad. And so... Look, I know it's not a big deal that the Suns brought him in, but I think that he is he's a great example of what it is to be a true professional. And I'm happy that he's, you know, going to be part of another team. And I'm glad that he's still in the NBA because I think that there are guys like that that have an impact outside of basketball that maybe you wouldn't know about. Unless I like, you know, just told you that that happened. That wasn't like some kind of big yeah. news out there but i think it tells you what kind of guy he is and i think that also tells you why teams still want him in their locker room after a decade plus it's a good story really yeah Yeah. i mean i didn't i didn't know that about him i don't think i've ever heard that from you in all the years we've been doing the podcast yeah crazy Um, story you know sometimes it's the uh you know like you said he wasn't wasn't scheduled to be there or anything like that Uh, it's the uh and it was raining yeah yeah he didn't have to go sometimes it's the things that you do that you don't have to do um, that, that, uh, make that type of lasting impact. And, um, yeah. probably I'm sure, I'm sure like if he heard that story, 
uh, he probably looks back at that moment fondly and probably in, no, in, in every single way feels thankful that he ended up getting up early uh, yeah. on a rainy day to go do that. I'm sure that probably, you know, made him feel full, made him feel yeah, joy to sure. do something like that. Uh, my timeline was full of people going crazy over the Jalen Brunson foul call. <laughs> That's yeah. night. I didn't. I, I know yours live. was too. I didn't see it live, but I was scrolling through. I'm like, oh my god, people are losing it. Holy mother! I'd say, in terms of like calls, that it, like the only thing I can remember that overtook the timeline like this was the last time was I think like the Draymond Nurkic thing. Like, it was that big yeah, a deal to where it, it gets huge. aggregated and viral yeah. in a way where it's like every single site that you follow and every single person is commenting on, oh, my God, the Knicks were robbed. And I've seen it from a couple of different angles. I don't know if it's going to hold up in the two-minute report or not. Um, they may do the minor contact thing. But that is, that is so bogus. Well, Ed Malloy, the referee after the game, he said, after seeing it during postgame, the offensive player was able to return to a normal playing position on the floor. The contact, which occurred after the release of the ball, therefore is incidental and marginal to the shot attempt and should not have been called. So that's what Malloy said right after the game. Yeah. Sorry we cost him the game. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, oh, well, you know, bad. Look, when they do the review, though, it's going to be funny if it disagrees with Ed Malloy. They're going to say, oh, no, the refs were right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Dude. I don't think it was a foul. Of course it wasn't. Uh, We get to the end. And and if we get to the end of the season and the Knicks miss their seeding by one game, you better believe it's going to come back. That one's not going away because it's like a regular old regular season, one of 82 games, but it's so egregious and it costs, it literally costs them a game that that one will get brought up. Let's just hope that they're either too back or too clear of whatever they need to happen when it comes at the end of the season, that the one game difference would not have made a huge difference in their standing, you know, whether it meant, you know, cause I mean, shoot, you never know. This stuff could come down to whether or not you get to host the first round or not. Mm-hmm. I know. In a four or five matchup. Like it does it, we could say, ah, it's just one game, but like we know we get to the end of the season and you catch, you know, you catch the wrong tiebreaker. It's like, bro, if they wouldn't have robbed us in Houston, that it'll come back up. So let's just hope that it doesn't end up costing the Knicks in some kind of more significant way than just having a random, you know, middle of the season loss to the Rockets. But that sucked. They also, who wants a game to end that way? What a dick for calling that. Uh, Seriously. (laughs) Like, seriously, you got to get mauled. I I know that it's like, the rules are the rules, and you got to call anything, you know, whether it's the first minute of the game or the fourth or the last minute of the game, you got to call it by the book. You know, there's always those friggin' nerds on Twitter. But that's not the way it goes. It's got to be bad for it to end a game. Got to. It's got to. One of my favorite things 
on uh, on Twitter. It's how Ben Stiller, all he does is tweet about the Knicks. <laughs> you aware of this? No, ben I don't Stiller, follow yeah, Ben well, Stiller. Yeah, Ben Stiller. He uh, <laughs> all he does is tweet about the Knicks. Last night he uh, went at NBA official. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> 700 retweets. How are you going to deal with the Houston Knicks off a call? Brunson getting fouled entire game by Brooks and then a no call. No, then a call to end the game to take it out of the player's hands. Brunson is an all-star. And that was not a foul in this game. Wrong call. Cost overtime. 700 retweets. 4,000 likes. <laughs> Do you know what's crazy? I actually thought about Ben Stiller this morning. How come? Wow, that's crazy. And I bring him up. <laughs> You're going to laugh at this. Yeah, tell me. I was scrolling through Instagram, and of course, my algorithm is just a bunch of stuff that makes me laugh. And somebody posted like a split screen <laughs> of what Ludacris was wearing when he came out of the Super Bowl and what Ben Stiller was wearing in Dodgeball. It's oh, like wow. this black and purple, <laughs> like shoulder pad <laughs> outfit. Oh, I was howling. It really looked like the exact outfit that Ben Stiller was wearing in uh, in Dodgeball. If you go back and look at what Ludacris was wearing during the Super Bowl. Just silly. It was silly, but it was funny as hell. That's good. What's your yeah. favorite Ben Stiller movie? I think it's Meet the Parents for me. Meet the I love the character. I love the character in Dodgeball. Yeah, Dodgeball like is I, a great one, yeah. Like, Dodge, I love yeah. him being the bad guy in that. Like, he makes me laugh so every good. scene. I every know. scene. He's funny. He's got the stupid mustache, and yep. he plays this <laughs> great bad Globo Jim. I love yeah. the whole thing. Uh, how about Starsky and Hutch? That was really good, too. I didn't see it. That was really good. It was? Do I, I need to go I, back and I watch mean, it? I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters, like, 20-ish years ago. Um but that that I'm just scrolling through, man. Like he's got like a lot of great movies. Kevin O'Cinema. Yeah. Um, Night at the Museum. That was good when I was a teenager. Meet the Fockers. Yep. Really good. Um, something about Mary, obviously. All right. Uh, real quickly, I do want to mention in that Knicks game, which will forever be marred by the horrible call that ended it. Ahmed Thompson became the first rookie in over 40 seasons with 10 or more rebounds five or more assists, five or more steals, and shoot 80% from the field in a game. Crazy. How about that? Boy, those Thompson brothers could do everything but put it in the bucket, huh? Yeah, every, everything but shoot. <laughs> they could do it, but they do everything else, brother. They are long as, as all get up, and they are athletic, and they really rebound. Both of them can rebound. Oh, yeah. And get in the mix. And so they kind of do all the little stuff. That's the kind of stuff that, honestly, it is the kind of stuff that coaches will play you for. If you go out there and rebound and get steals and wreak havoc, you know, they'll play you much more often than if you can go out there and get me 12 points. It's kind of funny how similar <laughs> they are. It's just like they truly are twins. Like they're yes. both like Amen Thompson on the season. Six of 38 from three, 15.8%. Osar Thompson on the season, 12 of 82 from three, 14.6%. Amen is 64.7% from the line. Osar is 63.8% from the line. They're like basic numbers are similar. Amen, 7.2 points, 5.3 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 
Osar, 8.3 points, 6.6 rebounds, 1.9 assists. Like their numbers, like up and down the line, <laughs> are just so similar. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, it's nice to see uh, Ahmed getting an opportunity and coming on here because we talked about like rookies that are going to make a mark, like, you know, especially as we head into the all-star break and then post all-star break. And your guy, Brandon Miller has been unbelievable. I watched him play over the weekend, came out and had like double digits, I think at the first quarter against Memphis on Saturday. And man, he could score from every level. And there's, there's no doubt about it, Kevin. The one thing that you were dead on about was preaching patience with, him and it is very fascinating the trajectory that mirrors what took place with him at Alabama and you kept saying like hey he started slow at Alabama and then he figured it out and then he was a MF and it's like I watch him now and I'm like that is not the same guy from the first 20 games if you flipped on a Charlotte game like not only has he been more empowered but this guy, you would not know he is a rookie in terms of the way he plays. And some guys, like, you know, some guys, look, it could take years before they figure things out and, and what they truly are within the NBA. But this feels like a very fast progression within his rookie year. And he has been absolutely dynamite for the last three weeks to a month. And one of the big things that we're seeing from him is something that he only had in high school because at, at Alabama, they play like an analytically happy system on offense. They shoot threes and they go to the basket. They they are last in the nation at taking mid-range jumpers. They just don't hey, do hey, that. Hey, real quick, they don't even shoot threes. Have you ever seen those stories they do on their practice gym? Nate Oates has a four-point line. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that is yeah. drawn on their court as to give them yes. more space. So yep. they become attempt to become proficient from what they call their four point line, which is a couple feet back from the three point line. And it's all because of the spacing of it all for the exactly. trade it up, lay it up offense. A hundred percent like that. That's, that's their objective uh, when, when they're playing. Right. And Brandon Miller, one of the reasons why I really liked him entering the college season, I was like, "Hey, this guy, like, he could, he seems underrated. He could be, he could be a top five guy, maybe even a number, like, number two guy behind Victor." It was because of the mid range, and in mm -hmm. high school, he was a great mid range scorer. That was gone at Alabama because it wasn't part of their system. But it's back in Charlotte. You saw it in that Memphis game. Everybody that's seeing Brennan Miller right now is seeing it. The fluidity pulling up for mid-range from difficult, awkward angles is there. And it's a little that, young Ingram-y, honestly. It, 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 is, it does look like Ingram, except I think like Miller is an even better three-point shooter than Ingram. Ingram, mm -hmm. Ingram's still reluctant from three. He loves the mid-range almost too much. Um, but like Miller is like has that fluidity for, like Ingram from mid-range, but also he has it from three point range, which gives him that three level scoring ability. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's highly impressive. The passing as well within the flow of that offense. Um, Miller's defense. He had a play recently where he was like screaming at his teammates, get back. Like yep. it's cool to see some of the intensity from him on, on a losing Charlotte team. Um, that's what they're going to have to have. He's going to have to grow into becoming one of those guys. Who's a tone setter on top of being a scorer, on top of being a creator. 
Um, but I'm I'm very impressed with Miller this year, and uh, I think with him, he's looking right like the right choice. Yeah, there's no question he looks like the right choice as of right now, uh, given Scoot's struggles through his rookie season. Um, also, I just want to mention, Grant Williams, good fit with that team. Good fit. He's had two really good outings to start uh, with them. And sometimes things work out, just changes the scenery can work out for both guys. And you see what Grant Williams done. And my God, how about the Gafford debut? Uh the debut was incredible, uh, and in the first two games, he's played 20.6 minutes per game and has averaged 17.5 points, 13 rebounds, and three blocks. I'd say Crazy. that's uh, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say it's working out. In fact, his first start that he just had, 16 points, 17 rebounds, two steals, and five blocks. God. <laughs> Good fit, Daniel Gafford. Dude, uh, (laughs) it it really is crazy. Like, sometimes it is just about situation and fit. And and you plug him into that situation. Uh, That's why Derek Lively made so much sense as a draft pick for them. And now Daniel Gafford, same exact thing. Uh, So we're seeing him play some of his best basketball. We talked about Ahmed Thompson. We talked about Brandon Miller. We'd be remiss. It took us entirely too long to get to the freakish Wemby triple-double with 10 blocks. That, like, it kind of got buried. I know that their record stinks, and I know that, you know, Wembyama is a constant on everyone that follows the NBA's feeds, and everything he does, you know, becomes known about. But Jesus, man, a triple-double <laughs> with 10 blocks? I mean, what the hell? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. 10 blocks? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I turned last night as that was going on and, you know, people were tweeting it out, his his numbers. I showed my I showed my producer who was sitting by me at the Grizzly game and I was like, bro, look at this. It's like 27. I said the guy had a triple double with 10 blocks. And he's like, can you imagine? We get three or four years down the road. Like, what the hell is anybody going to do with him? This is year one. Friggin' triple double with 10 blocks. Like, that is just like, I'm playing, I'm playing in a, in a like, I belong in a different league because these guys are too little for me. <laughs> like, I need to, I need to be in a Giants league. Well, that, that's, that's what some of the blocks are like. Like, he had a block in the, uh, the third quarter. I think this was probably my favorite of the 10 blocks. I'm not sure. Like there's a lot of them could be the favorite, but he was defending an Emmanuel quickly pick and roll and, and quickly is coming down the lane and he's kind of around the left elbow and, and Wemby's kind of like swiping his arm at him, making sure he doesn't take the little mid range pull up and then quickly makes the pass to the, to the center. I think it was a uh, hurdle who was on the floor and Wemby like barely even takes a step across the lane <laughs> and reaches over with his right arm. And he just, Blocks the shot easy. Like it looks, it looks like he was there the whole time it's because unfair. he was. It's unfair because he can it's be in unfair. two places at once. He's that big. <laughs> <laughs> how is he, how, he's guarding somebody at the free throw line and guarding somebody at the rim. Yes. You remember that, that, you remember when that happened? That happened with Giannis in the finals a couple years ago. You uh, remember the, that? Yeah, the DeAndre Ayton block where where he yeah. kind of yeah where he kind of spun in the middle of the lane. Like that was that was one of the best playoff finals blocks 
that I've ever seen. Yeah, he and like it, showed on a pick and roll and yeah. blocked the yeah. and blocked the pass like after yes. the roll was hit. That mm-hmm. was crazy. That, that's a that's a great callback. And, and Wemby, if he's and when he's someday in those situations, it's, it's going to have blocks like that in the playoffs when the Spurs are that great of a team. Um, you can't you but, can't be allowed to guard both actions of the pick and roll. It's crazy. That's, that's illegal. It's, Come on. It's, it is it is genuinely nuts watching this guy. He is a a transformative defender uh already. Like I know Michael Pina, uh, my ringer coworker tweeted last night that he thinks Wemby should be a defensive player of the year finalist. I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know if he'll finish in my top 3 cuz the Spurs as a team are not a great defense. Um but they're way better when Victor's on the floor. Uh Victor changes everything. I think it's kind of fair to say right now Victor to say Victor Wembanyama is the best defensive player in the league is he the defensive player of the year you've seen a lot of those memes though going around I see it like regularly the whole Gobert you know defensive player of the year season Wemby season if we're just doing counting stats like he's already surpassed some of those it's freakish dude it's freakish how many shots he blocks and he's been on a minutes restriction part of this season. Right. I mean, he's, he's kind of out of it now, but I mean, dude, it's also like not just like the thing that makes him so special is it's not just the fact he's big. It's the the hustle, like yeah, the the the, the mindset Cares. he has. Yes, like he had a like you mentioned. You talked about that Giannis block against Aiton in the finals. Like he had a block on Barnes at the rim where he was. I think it was Bruce Brown on the on the perimeter that he was defending and he was like contesting his shot. The pass goes into Barnes at the basket and Wemby just quickly turns his feet, flips around and blocks him from behind. And they're up 30 in the game. Like you don't need to be hustling like that, man. But he's still flying around. And it's it's like that all the time with him, dude. It's it's mindset, awareness, um, yeah. you know, just the intelligence, the hustle, the heart. He, I mean, he is like he is truly going to be like Victor, like Rudy Gobert might win his fourth defensive player of the year this year. If you're taking the over under for Victor Wembanyama and his career staying healthy, you, I'd probably bet on the over for, for Wemby sure. with defensive player of the year. He might win seven, eight in yes. his career. It, it might get to the point voters get bored. To voting for Wemby. Try to find somebody else. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like it's yeah. it's gonna be the era of Wemby. He is he is unlike anyone we've ever seen. Last two things before we get out of here. Warriors back. Are you I a think believer? So. You think so? Think, you you believe in I this streak. So. Yeah, I I, be, I believe in it. I, I think there's something happening here with the Warriors. They've you got five straight wins. They have been dominant with Draymond on the floor. Um, he is another transformative defender. Uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga are playing incredibly well together. Stephen Curry looks like his MVP self right now. The Warriors have figured out their rotation, uh, the guys that they want to lean on. Uh, Pods is still playing really well in that rotation for them as a rookie. I, I'm a believer, man. I, I think Kaminga Kaminga has has really figured things out. And Steve Kerr has found his guys. And Draymond, as long as he can avoid suspension again. <laughs> Draymond's always, been great. He's, he's been sensational, dude. He's been absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and, and when he, Draymond's unbelievable, he's helping activate Steph. And on defense, he is 
lifting everybody up. I think they're for real and they are going to they are going to finish the season as a team that you want to avoid mm. in the playoffs. That that that's what I'm thinking right now with what we're seeing. To your point about Kaminga, uh since the whole losing faith in Steve Kerr. Oh, those numbers are amazing. It's uh 21 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, 57% from the field, 40% from 3. 78% from the line, so free throws can get a little bit up. But uh, to your point about Kaminga uh, figuring it out a little bit, and certainly since he made that statement. Now, the Phoenix win is an extremely good win. Um, the schedule, when you go and look, I I, I think it's going to be super instructive. Let's see them. Uh, the Phoenix game was great, and obviously the Curry shot was just, I mean, come on. Oh, dude, that, that was... was- Absolutely that, majestic. They this oh week, God. Wednesday night, they play against the Clippers. I think that's going to be that, that's going to be a great mark for. Okay, and that's a that's going to be ESPN game on Wednesday night. That's a that's a that is mm-hmm. a great premier game. So they've won these games. You go look at the schedule. Obviously, the Phoenix one is is really good. The other ones, you know, you could poke holes in. You know, the opponents. I agree. Yep. There's no hole poking in the Clippers. So we're about to find out, you know, if, if we should really buy into this Warrior streak on Wednesday night when we see them against a team that and it's a home game and, you know, the energy is going to be huge. And it's the last game kind of before the break. I think well, I they don't play think, Thursday, too. They got a Oh, they play Thursday. Yeah. OK, yeah, they play at the Jazz. OK, but they'll go. They'll go hard Wednesday night. That will be a. That'll be a statement type game. Yeah. So we'll see. You're you're right though. I mean, like I think you know if I'm if I'm placing a bet after kind of like you know some easier opponents, I'd say I'm I'm a believer, and I think some of the changes we're seeing them from them are for real. But the big tests are coming up, like you said, Clippers on Wednesday. Out of the break, their first game is is against the Lakers, and then they have a game against the Nuggets on the Sunday after the All Star break. So they have three games before the end of this month, or actually four. I see they have the Knicks on the road on the 29th. So four mm-hmm. games before the end of this month, that'll be really the real, the best barometers for who the warriors really are right now. Yeah. Uh, so those games I'm very much looking forward to that Wednesday game against the Clippers. Uh, like I'm, I'm excited. Tune in for that one. Last thing, uh, the Bontemp straw poll. I participated in it. You participated right, yep, in it. Yep. Yep. Here it yeah, is. Tell me, tell me, uh, tell right me your now, top five first. I want your top five first. Give me yours. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, uh, let me go find my text to Bontemps because I can't remember what order I put them in offhand. Oh, I got, I got mine. I'll tell you mine as okay. you pull yours up. I had I had Jokic 1, SGA 2, Luka 3, Giannis 4, Kawhi 5th. That was mine that I sent on oh. f- last Friday. That's what I had last Friday. Okay. I literally only have Luka and Giannis flipped. Okay. So I had Jokic, SGA, Giannis, Luka, Kawhi. Cool. So we were very similar. So what was the actual top five? I have not looked. Like I said, I've not looked. Jokic, SGA, Giannis, Luka, Kawhi. My list. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Yeah. So I, uh, and look, I, I did not confer with anybody. Yeah. So sometimes these can be, you know, you're guilty of groupthink when it comes to this. I didn't, uh. The next is, I mean, Tatum is like pretty far back from 
Uh, he's 17 votes back from Kawhi. So it seems like most most everybody had the same thing. It might have been a matter of, you know, which guys, uh, what order you had them in. Wow. Somebody gave Brunson a first-place vote and somebody gave Anthony Edwards a first-place wow. vote. Wow. What? Come on, bro. I don't know. Come on. That. Jokic, 69 first-place votes. SGA, 24 first-place votes. So right now, Jokic, I mean, it's still early. It's not. It's before the All-Star break. We're midway through. Um, but 69, he's in the lead. Yeah. The leader in the second straw poll, Embiid in 2022 and Jokic last year, has been surpassed by the second-place finisher in official award voting the past two seasons. So if that trend continues, it would be SGA. Hmm. If Oklahoma City ended up the one seed, I could see that. Yeah, me too. You know? Yeah, I could see that as well. Somebody They, they like to give the award to somebody else. Yep. Yep. All right. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thanks to Isaiah for filling in for Jesse Lopez today and producing the show. Uh, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Looking forward to it. Have a great week. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS. GamblingHelp.com. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.